Welcome to the Fireside Chat, presented by Rotographs and Pitcher List. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Paul Spohr and Nick Pollock. Hello and welcome to episode 1045 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, April 28th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, and I'm joined by the Fireside here with one Nick Pollock. And Nick, the reason I stuttered on the uh, date there is I was like, am I going to release this today or mm. later? And even if it comes out later, the day we're recording it is the day that I'm going to say. I, I don't want to go. be like, oh, this is, I'm going to say the date that is coming up. I'm just going to say the day that it is. And it's April, Thursday, April 28th. It's NFL Draft Day, which we don't care about, except Still. the one time that the NFL does something good, they give us a lot of day games today. So this I, will, true. I will say that that's a one good thing about the draft being today there's only two night games because they don't want to interfere with it because they know that they'll lose <laughs> they know that they'll lose <laughs> to the draft if they put a full slate of games so nick we're, we're joining by the fire um it's been about a month we got some players to talk about how are you it's doing? about time oh it's great uh yeah i will say one of the best joys in life honestly is not knowing what day it is and I was hoping so that you were still that. No, uh, I, I, but, uh, knew, I knew. I, I will say I love day baseball. It's a wonderful thing. There is one negative, yes. and it's that we are going to be talking about a guy that is starting in a day game today. So it could and, totally undermine what we Right. <laughs> can't yeah, wait, though. Definitely. I'm going to act like I know everything about this guy. So can't wait for that um i i think the last time i did something like that was put out the chad cool is breaking out article one hour before he allowed eight earned runs and then got tommy john now, so can't wait eight earned and tommy john <laughs> a lot of times i actually like to have an article come out when somebody's gonna go mm. you know uh, because that can be like hey they're in the news uh, you know i wrote about them and now you can go watch them and we'll see what happens and fingers crossed that what i said comes to fruition i know Eno likes to do that a lot too but it can go the other way like you said and i've definitely had it go the other way where i hype somebody up go get them pick them up everywhere he goes an hour later and and gets crushed not necessarily eight earned and a and a tj but sometimes they get beat up <laughs> Dang. Not Let always that. Actually, you know, it's two guys. God, we're giving you such a gift today. There are two of these pitchers. We're not going to say who they are yet because we want to tease a little bit. I want, but uh, I'm two missing of who the other one is. Though. Yeah. Well, it's the last but two we're going to talk about. Okay, uh, okay. And you're going to you're going to oh, listen yeah, to this yeah, entire yeah. podcast now. That's how you tease it. Make sure you stick around to the end. One is currently pitching. Right oh, wow. Starts in a little bit. So and he's already allowed eight earned runs. Oh, oh my God. No. And it, oh, they're coming. They're performing TJ on the mound on him right now. That is crazy. Let's talk some pitchers. Now, Justin and I talked about a handful of young pitchers recently, but there's so many one, so many young pitchers that are playing really well right now that there's plenty to talk about. These guys aren't even necessarily young either. These are just some guys that are kind of growth stocks. Are, are they somebody that we want to invest in? Uh, what are we seeing here? The one that you kind of hinted at who's already pitching right now is probably got people flipped upside down. Like, what do I do with this guy? These numbers are looking a little weird, so we'll get into that. But let's start with somebody who, Nick, I will freely tell you, I had off my draft board this year. He wasn't expensive. I didn't care. There really wasn't a price that I wanted to pay for Chris Paddock. And I'll tell you why. I thought he was a two-pitch home run machine, and I just wasn't interested. Then I saw an interview yesterday. They're playing the Tigers, so I'm obviously very dialed in. And um, I got to be honest, I don't love the Tigers announcers. It's not even that they're bad. It's just that they're boring. There's this very bland milk toast. And and so I will occasionally flip over, uh, often actually flip over to the other broadcast or 
they allow you to do the radio overlay with the video on MLB uh, TV. So I often mm. have Dan Dickerson and Jim Price in my ear, and sometimes Craig Monroe. Uh, but I was on the Milwaukee, uh, the Minnesota broadcast yesterday, and they had an interview with Chris Paddock that I found pretty enlightening. And he talked about how important his third pitch is and how much he's been diving into that curveball that we've seen this year and how he simply realizes that he cannot be the pitcher he wants to be without a third offering. So he's been working really hard with the guys. Uh, he cited Sonny Gray specifically as a real leader type who helps the young guys. And uh, while it hasn't been very good yet, he is throwing it 21% of the time, which is up nine points from last year. He has a 455 Babbitt with it, but I was just encouraged by the fact that he knows that I gotta, I gotta have at least three offerings here to be the kind of pitcher that I want to be. And I came away pretty positive from that interview, just because we are seeing him really dive into that third pitch. And if it comes together as a good offering, I think Chris Paddock could get back to being a in all formats fantasy pitcher. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm as sold as you are about that curveball being that next step. Just because in 2019, Paddock's curveball wasn't much of anything that helped. You know, it had a sub 60% strike rate then, 27% CSW, uh, 260 average. It, it, it could be, absolutely could. I, I mean, for me personally, the thing that's encouraging about Paddock is twofold of one, four seamers not only are being located up in the zone in the last two starts effectively though mm -hmm. that's the thing they're actually he's doing it and they're getting good results and in paddock's last start against your tigers his changeup was really really nice uh as good as we've seen in a long time and that's a field pitch that's the vulcan change that can be hard to to be consistent with Split, uh, splitter yes, yes it's essentially a splitter right instead yeah. of your index and your middle finger it's your middle finger and your ring finger uh, but 40% CSW on that pitch through that game at 29% usage is really great to see located it down. And if he's locating those four seamers consistently up like that and having this success on those pitches, that to me is enough for me to say, okay, Chris Paddock against, you know, not the toughest offenses. I'm okay with you. If that curveball comes around. Awesome. I mean, the usage is really high as you were mentioning it. 21% in the last start. It's pretty much been there this season at that mark. Uh, I don't think it's there yet. And maybe it does get better as you're suggesting as he keeps working with Sonny Gray and others uh, with the twins. He hasn't needed it before and it's not there yet. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think there's enough encouragement in that four seamer and changeup that if that's just working fine, you don't, if you don't have the third pitch, it's okay. We can get there. Maybe even the cutter takes a larger step too. They also threw seven up yesterday. He talked about that, too, about how um, he's also maybe working on cultivating that fourth pitch cutter or slider, he said, which I think he can kind of vacillate between the two, which a lot mm -hmm. of guys do. Their cutter is their slider. Their slider is their cutter, depending on right. how hard they throw it. And he has started to throw a few more of those, too. So maybe that's another avenue. And as you mentioned, his 8% usage against the Tigers was a season high for Chris Paddock on the cutter. So. There could be a fourth pitch even, and I agree. The curveball is not there yet. This isn't something where I'm like, go get him everywhere and start starting. Right, of course. Yeah. But it went from, I have no interest whatsoever to, okay, I'm kind of going, I'm kind of taking another look here at Chris Paddock mm -hmm. and seeing what's up. I think deep formats for sure. He's a team streamer, which is, you know, just moving them from your reserve roster to starting, not cutting them. 12 teamers, it's a little borderline. So I think he's a traditional streamer still in 12 teamers. Let me ask you this. He's got to start this weekend against Tampa Bay at Tampa Bay in a 12 teamer. Would you go for that Chris Paddock start? So, so here's the fun thing is I'm actually going to talk about the next one first because okay, the, the scenario is this. If 
Chris Paddock does well against the Rays, he is getting picked up everywhere for that Friday start against the Oakland Athletics. Yes, he right. I mean, that's just like Friday. a giant circle around him. You get even more talk about Chris Paddock Completely everywhere you see agree. him. And, and it's on a Sunday, which is bid day. So if oh, he goes out and throws true. six innings of yeah. two-hit ball with seven punchies, that price is going through and, the roof. And the thing is, because again, it's a Sunday, let's say it's not a weekly league that you're in, but you're in a daily one, then you're going to have everybody bidding on Chris Paddock right now uh, for that Sunday start regardless. So what you might want to do, it, it's it's an opportunity for you to hedge this where you can pick a paddock, see how it goes, and then start him against Oakland because you won't get the opportunity. You don't. I, I, my point is you don't get the chance to see how th- that start goes. That doesn't exist in fantasy right. anymore. Once there's so, a thing, you got to yeah. So, I mean, I, I think I'm okay with it considering we've seen the fastball twice now effectively get elevated. I, I, I will say it, there, I don't know which side of this I'm on of is he more on the like the Michael Waka and Luke Weaver side of having a four seamer and changeup that works and oh, they struggle yes. to find a third pitch or is he more on the Pablo Lopez side where he doesn't need it he just has these two pitches the and great so right. good exactly and, and paddock has enough fastball i, I think the right. key if he is that if he is the lopez i think for paddock it will be the fastball which you mentioned yes looked really sharp last time up when he's working it up and not giving up homers which by the way has not given up a homer i mentioned i i saw him as a two-pitch homer machine well he's got three pitches and he hasn't allowed any homers so he's already changed from what i believed he was going to be still mm. allowing too many hits 9.8 hits nine 356 babbit though so maybe that can come back down uh closer to his 279 career mark bottom line a lot more intrigue with paddock than i thought i totally agree with you if you are in a daily league get him now and even if you don't want to start him against tampa bay i get that but then you have the oakland start waiting next week which is an automatic start yeah and i I was totally with you too the beginning of the year like no way i'm not interested he's the sixth maybe seventh on the on the padres exactly and then getting uh, and traded over there, I was like, perfect. yeah, that, that opens up a spot, but I'm I don't think right. I wasn't I wasn't in there. I'm like, all right, let's just wait and see because no one's jumping at this yet. Mm-hmm. Uh so I'm I'm very curious to see it. Uh there's also, I mean, to play devil's advocate here, I uh, let's say you pick up today, today's Thursday, and you're picking up a guy for a start that's eight days away. It might not feel great um to do that. True. Um uh, for next Friday when you don't even know with sure. paddock. So um, I guess I guess you really want to say no, Nick. Okay, for Sunday, how does it feel with Chris Paddock? Um, all right, I'll, I'll throw this at you. Uh, Cole Irvin against the Guardians or Chris Paddock against the Rays? I'm gonna go Paddock. Okay, the strikeout upside is larger, mm. even against a team like the Rays. I'd say if you're in a quality start league, I go Cole Irvin. I think that's uh, fair to say, especially for the QS situation. Yeah. But that's um, kind got, of where we're at, though. That's like yeah. pretty even, and that's that should help you make your decision. I agree. I agree. Good call out. Let's stick with the Rays. Talk about a guy that they have that uh, I like Drew Rasmussen a lot. My problem with him and the reason I didn't go crazy for him in fantasy was because he's a five and dive. And he did go six yesterday, which was encouraging, but he only did it on 84 pitches. So it, was, it wasn't really them lengthening the leash. It was ultra efficiency by Rasmussen. So I'm curious where you stand with him. The reason I get nervous about these five and dives is because their margin for error is non-existent. It's tiny. You have one bad inning and the outing is ruined because now you're giving up three, four runs. And in five innings, that's pretty ugly. If you go six and four, I don't love that, but I'm not losing my mind uh, uh, over that. But five and four looks a lot, lot worse. He's got the swing and miss slider. I love the slider. 
But is there enough here for Rasmussen to be a consistent starter in the 12-team and lower formats? Because 15, yes, he's, he's a full roster. But where do you come out on Drew Rasmussen? And uh, what did you take away from that nice six-inning start that he had on Wednesday night, his first time going over five innings in the majors? You know, there's sometimes when we do this for when it really does feel like we're by the fire. Because because this is a moment of, of just a connection where I don't think that we've actually... The, the two of us talked about Rasmussen at all uh, I so. I, I, ever. I've yeah. had lots of these separate conversations, but my talking point has always been, yeah, the Rays have this whole efficiency thing about when a pitcher's pitch quality goes down. Mm-hmm. I think they've assessed it with Rasmussen. Um, they won't let the lineup turn over against them. All of this stuff that is just going to cap his upside, not to mention he overperforms, I think, with the fastball last year and it just isn't coming together with a slider. And it's just kind of like one of those moments you can see each other each other in the robes and the whiskey laughing <laughs> at our connection, <laughs> our bond here. Oh, wonderful. Yes. Uh, Finally, someone else. Pollock, um, you magnificent bastard. <laughs> uh, but I fireside chats. <laughs> so wonderful. Now, I will say it, things have changed all of a sudden. Um, the last three starts, Rasmussen has been going with his cutter. Um, as well and we're not just saying like 10 percent usage by the way yes oh yeah i'm seeing over 30 percent cutter usage and pretty much an even split slider four seamer cutter had a rare curveball or so you know eight Mm -hmm. of them thrown his last start two and the one before against the cubs but rossmanson has this brand new pitch essentially it wasn't there last year and this was the first start that we saw it do well when he went against the Mariners for six innings and nine strikeouts. It was three base runners, as you mentioned, uh, just the efficiency of it. And he wouldn't have lasted six, even at 84 pitches or whatever, if he you know, didn't allow as many base runners in and just they're like, yeah, we're not going to let you do this. Uh, so my biggest question right now is just how real is this cutter? It had nine whiffs on 31 thrown. 42% CSW. It was legitimate. And he had eight alone on the slider, which we've been waiting to actually show up. And I can imagine that the introduction of the cutter makes it a little bit easier uh, to get more whiffs on. It's just a little bit more extra deception. Is this a harder cutter? Is it not? What kind of shape is, is it going to have relative to that cutter? It's it's a better game plan and approach than we've seen from 2021. It gets me excited. But again, he's one for three with this cutter being as good as it is. It's the most recent one. It was incredible. Really good command, too, down and away consistently, or really down in glove side, I should say. Uh, so I'm in in a 12 team. I've already picked him up in, in a league okay. where I Drew could. Rasmussen, 12 team viable. Because I think, I mean, it's, it's Oakland next. Uh, and I'm, I'm going against, I'm going for that. Uh, with Drew uh, Rasmussen. Yeah. It feels like it should be uh, it, it should be Minnesota. He's not going on Sunday. He's going on Monday. Is and anyone I, facing Oakland? I, want, I know, right? But if you go in against Oakland and you're showing signs of improvement, that's exactly the kind of bet you want to make. You don't want to grab Jacob Junis because he's going against the Dodgers next. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm curious about that. And, you know, we can have a very quick side about that, too. But uh, Drew Rasmussen, yeah, you just killed it with a cutter. It gets a good offense in Seattle. They've been hot. I agree. And speaking of, I, I'm, I'm in. Speaking of, he has a two start next week out west. He goes to Oakland and mm. Seattle. Do you like him on the rematch against those? Those. Oh, same right. Characters? It's a weekly league. Uh, I think that yeah. the uh, I think the start against the Oakland will make it fine enough against okay. Seattle. I mean, there's still a chance with like the 3.2 innings that we get of just like, oh, well, it doesn't matter though. I think you combine it. Let's say it's five and two thirds or five and a third, and you get 
uh, nine total innings of Rasmussen, yeah, those should be nine beneficial innings. With double-digit strikeouts, hopefully, as well. So oh, that's man. true, Rasmussen. Oh, he'd be so lucky. And Chris Paddock. Uh, let's talk one of the first two guys that's going sure. to He's going to start in a couple hours for the Angels. A guy I really like coming into the year, Reed Detmers. Mm. Interesting lefty, was drafted just back in 2020. And uh, the fact that he's here already makes sense because right after the draft, there's always that article um, on MLB, on Fangraphs, anywhere that writes about prospects. Who are the guys that's going to be up that are going to be up to the majors first? And and Reed Detmers was among those. He and Max Meyer were the two that people were like they could come up even in 2020 if their teams saw a need. Didn't quite get up in 2020, but was up last year for 20 innings. So far this year, he's been in the rotation. It's been hit and miss. Uh, as evidenced by the fact that Detmers has a 657 ERA, but a 359 Sierra, which is skill interactive ERA, which kind of uh, it's, it's another ERA indicator, like a FIP and XFIP, things like that. So where do you come out on what we've seen out of Detmers through three starts? Are you intrigued by the 22 year old lefty or are you pressing the panic button and, and cutting him in felt certain form? Oh, it's tough. So I, okay. Detmers is not ready yet. It's not, it's okay. not there. He's 22. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't he's need to be incredibly right. young. He's and we've already seen a lot of um productive signs and just a lot of indications of him being an absolute stud. Uh the curveball, I think, is a very legitimate pitch. It comes in pretty soft. Um, it's 72 miles per hour, mm-hmm. but it's allowed nine percent hard contact, which is over played appearances, and nine percent is one of the best marks you'll see in the majors. The average for curveballs is 20% hard contact allowed. Just nine percent on that curveball, which he throws about thirty percent of the time. It, it's a it's an amazing offering. You have the four seamer that he elevates with intent, and the problem right now is I think that four seamer is actually very good and does get some swings and misses that I normally wouldn't expect, um, despite it coming in around ninety three miles per hour or so. The issue at hand is the slider that has only a nineteen percent O swing at the moment, mm-hmm. and this is just not a pitch that's complete. I saw it last year. I remember that outing. Uh, he got a ton of whiffs on sliders down and into righties. And if Detmers can do that, it can start having his proper nullifier for the fastball because the fastball and the curveball are 20 miles per hour in difference, right? It's insane. 93 to that 72, right? You need that extra slider to really keep guys off balance of the fastball because essentially what you do if you're a hitter is you then sit for the fastball and then if it's the curveball, you have enough time for the adjustment mm-hmm. often. So you need something in between that's effective. He's throwing the slider 20% of the time. He gets a lot of strikes with it, but it's a lot of these bad strikes. Um, a lot of the heart of the plate floated, not, not, you know, it should not be a 63% zone rate pitch. We don't want that. That's too high. You've gone off the cliff, you know, uh, it's like the Grinch's cliff. You know, that one, you really want to get to the top of it, but it just falls off right away. Uh, you don't want that with zone rate on your slider. You want it like more like 45% or something. So Demers has to tweak this. He has to fix this. And I I don't know when it will come together in full. Uh, it's Every single start could be that one. Um, yeah. But I see a, a situation where if there are some really nice ads you can make instead. Uh, like, for example, when Cortez went off, I was like, all right, you know what? I'll stop Nasty with Demers Nester, and go maybe. after Nestor instead, right? Like you have to be able to quickly move with this burn and churn method. You can't hold too long on to these potentials no. while those that have seen it are doing it. So for me with Debt Mercy's in this volatile state of like kind of like how we treat a Toby, essentially. 
um, but just with a high ceiling uh, potential instead. That's where I'm at with Embers. How about you? I think that's an excellent rundown. I don't really think I have too much to add without just repeating what you're saying. And especially I'll, I'll expound a little bit further on the on the tens and 12 team behavior where you just don't have the time to be patient here. And don't be afraid to make a mistake. What I mean by a mistake is if Detmers pops off and that was like a, your breakout guy that you thought was going to pop off and you're like, dang it, I had him. That's fine. You're right. going to make some quote unquote mistakes. And I don't even think they're mistakes because that's just the nature of 10s and 12s. If you want a situation where you can wait on guys like this, like Detmers, play a 15-teamer, play an AL only, because you can be patient as you want because there's not really going to be anybody better out there. Right. But if you really want to compete in 10s and 12s, you can't sit around waiting for the Detmerses of the world to pop off. you got to <laughs> stick and move. you got to go uh, cut Detmers to get Jacob Junis against Oakland and then cut Jacob Junis because he's facing the Dodgers to get Paul Blackburn and then cut Paul Blackburn to get Drew Rasmussen. Well, he's probably not available in that many 12s, but to get Chris Paddock going against Oakland. like you got to be moving player to mm. player. You have to have two or three pitching spots that you're churning. And Detmers was probably your last pick anyway, or very close to it. So he needs to be churned. I think he needs to be moved in tens and twelves now. If you want to, if you want it to be profit Mers, you can't be in Detmers, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. That was a good one. I like that. And then our last guy who is pitching right now, he's given up two unearned runs, I believe. Whew. Or no, one unearned Don't run. Don't scare me like that. Uh, no, I, no, I'm no, seeing no, no. nothing. Zero. Wrong he's fine. Wrong team. Wrong team. He's, yeah, yeah. he's leading. He's coasting with a lead right now. <laughs> and that is one Nick Martinez. What an amazing first name. He's gone two <laughs> innings, two hits, a walk, and a strikeout. Now I mentioned that people will be looking at him, and they got they're they're twisted right now. They don't know what to do because if this is the same Nick Martinez from Texas, by the way, if you remember that name, same oh, guy uh, coming back from J the Japanese league, different guy, but. Uh, the 13% swing strike rate, you're like, whoa, that's way different. I like that. It's, it is yielding more strikeouts, but not that many more. But he has a 15% walk rate, um, 3.1 homers per nine. So he's all over the map. 430 ERA, but a 504 Sierra and a 799 FIP, 177 whip. A lot of numbers. Bottom line, what are we doing with Nick Martinez? 31-year-old returning from the Japanese league, showing a few signs that have intrigued me. I'm bought in and I'm I'm holding him in the deeper leagues that I have him, but is he worth hanging on to? And how pivotal is this start in Cincinnati today? Yeah. So I think a lot of people kind of forget how good he was in his first start. Uh six K's and five innings against the Giants. Yeah. One earned run and in a one whip, right? The, the team I context mean, makes that so huge too, because the Giants are tough. Yeah. It, it, how unfair is it that he went from the Giants to Atlanta to the Dodgers in his first three outings? Like, come yeah. on, man, this isn't fair. And then even um, though the Reds stink, going to Great American Small Park is no treat. Yeah, either. there you go, Casey Bubba. Shout out for that name. I love it. I but I it's Nick Martinez to me is someone kind of like Demers in the way that his stuff is really good. And I think over time, we will be looking back and be like, oh, I'm just so happy I got Nick Martinez at some point this year. Mm -hmm. I think I have a little bit more confidence in Nick Martinez in the relative short term. Like for Detmers, it might show up in June or something where he really clicks. Agreed. While Nick Martinez, it could be the start. It could be the next one. It could just be right away. I'm actually looking at the plot so far, these two innings and judging so harshly of and in no way Off should i do that pitches yeah 31 pitches but like the change up i'm only seeing like one that's or maybe two that's down the zone and curveballs are kind of floating in a little bit this is not even this is so not fair um but uh to me nick martinez has a full repertoire and generally well command i mean i'm seeing fastballs well around the edges in a great way cutters that are moving in the right spots um 
I, he can, he has a, yeah, a really good mix for a potentially winning ball club that he should be able to go six comfortably with. I keep hearing all of these comments about how the, the Padres are going to keep Gore in the rotation and remove Nick Martinez. And I just don't see that in any world happening for two reasons. One, just keep in mind, he can't go to the minors. It's a major league Correct. deal. So he'd have to be a long reliever. There's no options um, either. Which doesn't make sense. Yeah. yeah. And two, I uh, if any team in the majors understands the necessity of starting pitching depth, it's the Padres yes. after what they did last year. And they signed Martinez and then got Sean Manaya for the purpose of understanding that, oh, right, we need to have as much solid depth as we can possibly have. Because they ran out last year. Unbelievably so. Ryan and Weathers, Woody how Williams. did he get as many starts as he did is beyond I think Woody me. Williams had six starts. Yeah. Uh, Reese Near. What, oh, I don't remember how to Oh, yeah. No, you're saying real guys. I'm saying Woody Williams from the 90s. I, I was talking <laughs> about them having the callbacks. I believe it because they just threw so many yeah, random guys. They, like, maybe I forgot named him Woody Williams. Yeah, that guy. But, you know. uh, it was R E I S S Reese and then K H E N. Yeah. I you're referring yeah. to. But yeah. Well, actually, it's kind ball. of interesting, but it was like bullpen games. So, what I imagined, Gore, unfortunately, so he just had 10 strikeouts and a much better slider yesterday, but against the Reds, but still. He probably will get one more start if Clevenger isn't ready. And then he goes back to the minors as they do a six game man rotation. That's another question I want to ask. You talk about how people think that that Gore's going to stay in over Nick Martinez. They got Snell and Clevdog coming back. Yeah. I don't think there's any room for Gore right now. No. And be, you want seven Gore, man? <laughs> yeah. And being that Gore is a prospect, they can send him back to AAA and it's like, it's right. okay. Plus, you can also kind of massage his innings down there, skip him every once in a while, and make sure that he has juice in the tank for the second half and the playoffs. So, makes too much I don't sense. Think there's any chance that Gore sticks around in the majors once Snell and, and Clev Dog are back. Right. So so Nick Martinez is going to get every opportunity. And the idea that the Padres also, after a start against the against Atlanta and the Dodgers, are going to say, oh, this guy's a bust. Yeah, we, we're we done. <laughs> no shot. I mean, no. No. no I, mean, I mean, sure, if he gets absolutely blown up like eight earned runs today against the Reds, I think there'll be much more of a magnifying glass on this. Yeah, but if he continues to be... But I don't expect in, that intriguing enough and encouraging enough. I think Nick Martinez sticks around. I totally agree with you. There. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. I know. I know people want to see Mackenzie Gore. I do too, but it just doesn't make sense from a, they have to get through an entire season and teams do not care about our fantasy teams. And so <laughs> is Gore the most talented of that uh, between right. and Martinez? Yes. But they also have to look big picture and that includes big picture of this year and the future. They're going to stick with Martinez. Yeah. Snell's going to come back. Clev Dog's going to come back. Gore will get his chance. And it'll probably happen via other injuries because what do pitchers do? They get hurt. Yeah, so I'm uh, not too worried about uh, it. Don't remind me. Sport. I will, fun stuff about Nick Martinez quickly. I uh, Between his four-seamer changeup cutter and curveball, all of them have a CSW above 30%, except the changeup, which has a 25% swing strike rate. Whoa. So that's uh, pretty good. Pretty we good. like that. Yes, we do. That he needs a, plays out. Somewhere along the way, I think it's when this four-seamer and a sinker, he's just not getting enough strikes. It's like a 61% on the four-seamer, which you generally want to see above 65. And the sinker is purposefully thrown out of the zone as an O-swing offering. It's just not quite there yet. He needs to get a little bit closer back into the zone to be a little bit more tempting moving forward. But I think these are all small tweaks. And the only worry I actually have is the velocity of Nick Martinez. Yeah, he does, uh, he does throw pretty 
pretty softly. We were thinking, though, when he came back from Japan, 93, 94 is what we'd see. Yes. And, we're at and we haven't seen that. We saw in the first start, we saw 92, 93. We saw the second start go up to 93, 94. It was great in that respect and everything else wasn't. And then it was 92, 93 again. I'm seeing today, same kind of thing around 92. Uh, I, that's actually very similar to his 2017 or 2015 self with the Rangers. Nick, can so, you explain how important like one mile an hour is? Because I think sometimes mm, when I hear one mile and be like, who cares? Like, right. The, the, it's so pivotal how, like, that's why whenever a guy has a one mile an hour boost in spring, we care because like it matters. So can you expound a bit further on why uh, even one mile an hour can be so impactful? Sure. So there's two ways to look at that. Uh, one is just if you're in the broad scope of every fastball, um, the area that the league is quote unquote timed to Mm-hmm. is between 91 and 94 everybody that's just kind of what everyone is ready for and prepared for so you see actually these uh dips in or dips in performance around then then it changes around 95 it's all of a sudden like oh now is when it's exceptional and harder and does uh harder for batters to hit and it just does better then there's also the side of we see a performance of a pitch at a certain velocity and we get a baseline for that um, it's not just a complete like, oh, no, if you go from 91 to 93, there won't be anything because that's just a rule of where I was talking about with that that clump. Mm-hmm. If, if a pitch is performing at 91 a certain way, you add two ticks. It just makes it so that you have fewer mistakes punished by the opponent. It's just every bit of velocity does help with that. And yeah, it's all relative in this way. So adding two ticks just is always good. It's just always good to throw it harder, more at 11. Uh, and the real hump does come around 95, 96, but instead of always going between that 91, 94 that I was just talking about, just think of it as, yeah, the pitch is better. The pitch is just better. And we have an understanding around 92 that it performs this way, performs at 93, 94. That's going to be better. Love it. I, I again, couldn't have had, couldn't have seen it. Couldn't have done it better myself. Explaining can't, can't speak <laughs> better than you. I'm, I'm speaking That's not right now. Um, Nick. Great job there. So those four guys right, we're looking at here, Paddock, Rasmussen, Detmers, Nick Martinez. Since primary focus, 12-teamers here, because these guys mm. aren't really available in 15-teamers, can I can I trouble you for a ranking of these four over the over the next – Oh, uh, man, that, that, that's going to be tough because I uh, – so I have my list, of course, on Monday. True. Um, that I that – I, I, what do you know? I updated it on Monday. Shocking. Uh, <laughs> every Monday, you're every Monday. That. Let's go. Um, I currently have Detmers at 64 and Martinez at 71. Okay. Um, but I think I'm kind of waiting for this outing for both of them to see if I'm going to maybe flip flop them. Okay. Rasmussen, right now, I think I put right above Detmers in that respect because if he is doing that with it, I just want to seize it right now. I'm going to tell everybody I'm drafting this, getting you know Rasmussen for that start against Oakland. Um, and then, uh, who is the other one? I completely forgot. Paddock. Oh, Paddock. Paddock, I think is, yeah, I think he's the, the lowest still. Um, okay. it's close with Detmers just because of, you know, Detmers hasn't been doing anything and at least Paddock has. But if I want to say like a long-term plan, like I still believe Detmers, like from June 1st on the rest of the year, Detmers, I'm definitely believing in more so than I- Paddock. I agree with that. I, th- I think I think we're in lockstep there. All right, there's four guys to take a look at. Uh, oh, we mentioned that we were going to do an aside on. Oh yeah, and Junis. Yeah, because, well, 
you had some really interesting thoughts this morning and I wanted you to kind of go more into. So one of the things that we were looking at with this outing, and it wasn't a start, it's a it's a follow, which by the way is great. I it's, hope they it's keep better it unless you're in it's a quality start better. league. But it's, it's, yeah, yeah, the only thing that it hurts is quality starts. But if you're still in wins leagues, this is so much better. It's the Ryan Yarbrough role, and of course with San Francisco, we're always intrigued by when they get a pitcher. In that Washington outing, he had a really interesting new changeup that we were like, yo, what is up with this to go with his slider? It was finally a third pitch. He barely threw it yesterday. I was watching a lot of this game because I'm a big Paul Blackburn guy, mainly just because of his first name. No other reason. Really. <laughs> um, <Knew> and, it. <laughs> and I was keeping a close eye on both of them. And I was like, he didn't use it really hardly at all. For me, I thought it was because, A, the lineup is trash, but also because it was only two lefties, Seth Brown and, and Tony Kemp. And you mentioned mm. they did throw some righty-righty changeups against the Nats, but they have some more challenging righties, including Nelson Cruz, uh, specifically, who I, I, I'm blanking on the others that I would really consider challenging. But Nelson Cruz specifically is the one that you would throw some, uh, you'd throw anything that you could to try to get him out. So that's why I didn't take too much negativity from it. He was dealing without it. And there just there just weren't enough lefties to attack with it, so I'm not worried. I'm gonna be dialed in on the next outing, even that Dodgers one. Even though if I'm not, even though I'm not starting Junis for that, I'm still gonna be watching it to see what he does against the Dodgers lefties. And if that changeup isn't there, then I'm gonna hit the panic button. But for now, I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, that's a really good point about right lefty splits. I just looked at it. Uh, changeup usage was about 10% against the Nationals uh, righties, and then it was 5% against Oakland. Um, uh, it, it's so frustrating. I mean, for that me, would be a couple pitches though, right? When you're, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get pitches. exactly what that is now. Right. But, uh, maybe like an extra bat or two. Yeah. Um, but I, it's so frustrating to me because my entire understanding of Junus has been forever. Really good slider. Nothing else. Nothing else. You know, right. I did a, uh, I remember doing a live watch with Brad Johnson, like in 2017 or something. Mm-hmm. I where we watched the Jacob Junis start and I remember us just being like oh there's I guess that chain because the lefty has showed up and like he throws this really mediocre pitch <laughs> and here all of a sudden here we were against the Nationals and Junis all of a sudden is just like I'm throwing sub 20% heaters and I'm throwing just amazing changeups mm-hmm. and with this incredible slider that is as good as it's ever been and this is a new guy I'm thinking like oh man you figured this out you figure this. I'm even saying, like, if I'm Oakland, I am getting up in the box as much as I can to because I'm expecting some 85 mile per hour pitches. So I don't want the ball to get deeper as it moves more. I want it to attack it earlier. And what we saw, well, I, I mean, what we saw actually, I'm not even saying like sub 20%. It was like 13% fastballs in that game against the Nationals. But then all of a sudden, I threw 30%. Actually, more like even 38% fastballs with the four seam ran sinker against Oakland. And to me, even though the slider was really good, I don't want that. That's kind of the same-ish Junis. You know, maybe you can say the slider has gone that much better. I mean, 56% usage is great. It had um, elite but, moments in case right. it still wasn't enough to... Exactly. To so this is why I'm thinking I'm a little bit more hesitant um, with it because I want to see, no, you are going to throw 34% changeups. That's what he did against the Nationals. And it was so good. And I, I don't care if it's lefty or righty or whatever. Just throw Junis, it, yeah. do that because the sinker and the four seam are not enough. I mean, but Nick, it was enough against the athletics. 
listen to that sentence again and you'll understand that it was the athletics. That's the thing. So, that's why I'm not too worried yet. It it will be a pivotal start against the Dodgers. Even if he doesn't. Oh man. Well, yeah, I'm not starting that, but right, right. No, no, no. Do yeah, not, yeah, yeah. Right. Not using there. But look for that changeup against their lefties. They've got some strong lefty offerings. Freeman, Muncie, Lux. Um, I'm probably missing some. Bellinger, who's Bellinger, not terrible. Who's playing well. He's not a piece of poop. I'll say that. <laughs> I, I would never say that about him. Never. He was dog poop. Um, but yeah, so they got, they're going to have four lefties in for sure. Maybe Edwin Rios as well. Keep an eye on Junis's changeup then. If he's not using it against then, that is concerning. But I trust San Francisco pretty much implicitly. And I don't think he needed it yesterday. So those are the main reasons that mm. I'm not too I'm not too worried about it. I just want to just do it, man. What else he got to lose, Junis? Just do it. But he, but he didn't need it. If, if ah, I'd I, I be so though? much more on your side if Oakland had hit him around a little bit, and I'd be like, why why weren't you throwing the changeup even righty righty if, if yeah. you're letting them beat up the fastball? But is that weird? Hit him. They couldn't right. hit him yesterday. Is that weird? They were like, oh, I would like terrible. it more if he performed worse. Yeah, you, you it know? would almost be. It would almost be. Yeah, uh, if he was worse, I'd be more on your side of like, yes, yeah, right. Let's, let's him. But I just really think he was able to mm. back pocket it, just because they weren't doing anything. Yeah, well, I hope that's it. I, I want that second start to be like, oh, I'm starting to buy in. I feel I'm starting you. to actually see that he believes. Well, I tell you what, though, your slight negativity might keep the Junis price down for those that are still. Yeah, there you go. This is, this is the only reason why I'm doing this. Yeah. Plus the Dodgers coming <laughs> out. So you can sneak in on the cheap because it's actually an at Dodgers St. Louis two-step next week. That is really mm. difficult because the Cardinals are a tough offense too. So I'm going to take a lot from that next week from Junis with, with those two outings. I don't really want to start him for those, but I do want to see how he does. And that's Man. going to determine a lot about how I feel about Jacob. I, I'm generally someone that doesn't lean too heavily on splits in general. So home road splits or even righty lefty stuff. And this is the first time I'm actually like thinking, okay, how many lefty bats are there for the Cardinals and how many are there for the Dodgers? Right. I mean, that's what why you're saying. You with much, the, the lineup. Yeah, why, why don't you put much in righty lefty splits? Well, it's, it, it can be something that I uh, can be just hard to manage essentially over time. Um, I mean, sometimes I'm like, okay, I know like the White Sox generally are really good against lefties, uh, that kind of yeah. stuff. And it's more extremes, They're pretty right. But I, uh, for a lot of those splits, um, I mean, I'm not saying that there aren't examples that it does apply and this could be one of them. Um, but it's a case often of just random grouping that can get people out of the element of weight. Let's just see how he is in performing with this stuff. And if you look at, oh, okay, if you take, I don't know, 10 starts of something, you throw them to two groups, they're rarely going to be an even performance in either side. So mm -hmm. that's generally why those splits, I think, can do more harm than good. But there obviously are cases where they are legitimate that you need to listen to. Yeah, I just because like pitches can perform differently against the handedness. Well, right. Using different pitches. So that's why uh, yeah. I hear you on home road. It can be there's margins, right? Uh, Tyler Molly's pitching today. He's dreadful. He's the only one that like we consider. I mean, say for like cores and stuff. Well, cores, of course, too. Um, that, yeah. Like, well, no, actually, I would say Oakland yeah. has home and road. Right. They, they have a lot of situations where they, because they have those finesse junk ballers like Cole Irvin that you mentioned earlier, they're much better at home than they are on the road. So right. well, the humidor is yeah. supposed to fix that. So. Exactly. I was literally about to say the humidor yeah. could mitigate so much of that. So I hear you on the home road more than the, the righty lefty, but I do keep an eye on righty lefty stuff yeah. just because like change up specifically, you don't usually throw same. Right. Right. Up. But if it's a yeah. good pitch, just throw it. So yeah. I agree with you there. Um, great talk. I am really excited to be back by the fire. We'll do it again in a couple yeah. weeks. 
Absolutely. Spore, it is always fun hanging with you by the fire. Thanks for listening to today's Fireside Chat with Paul Spore and Nick Pollock. Follow both Paul and Nick on Twitter at Spore and at PitcherList.